It's episode 1096, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? And from Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. Good to have you back, Jamie. We missed you. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. Uh, Guys, this is a big, big day. For the relevant family, uh, if you notice the show title, our guest today is none other than Derek Miner. Derek, why are you the guest today? Because I got an album that's out. I've been today. laboring over this thing. I'm so excited to put this thing out and for everybody to listen. We Dude. got a visual commentary on YouTube where you can get my breakdown on all the songs. It's we in here, baby. We floating. It's, it's exciting, dude. Derek, it, it, describe the, the feeling of release week. Is it like just, are you, is it relief? Is it excitement? Is it like nervousness? Or is it kind of all of the above? You know what I mean? Because I feel like you put so much time in up to this point. What, what's it like when the week finally comes? It's been different for different albums. I would say this album, I'm like happy and excited. And um, I've, I've been so I, I've never been this stress free with a project ever. So that's good. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm just well, like, man, I just want to see what how people enjoy it. You know what I mean? See, the thing that is different for what you do and Jamie with your books and stuff, like you guys work on this one thing for a year or more, and, mm-hmm. and it's like building up to this moment right now. Today, it's coming out, and you deploy it, and the next two years of your life are completely dependent on what yep. happens with this yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. With us, I like think- we would put a magazine out and if it was a dud, we're working on the next one. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's like yeah. you, we could, we could erase our flops pretty quickly, but right. there's a lot of pressure on this thing. And, and, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I mean, there is a lot of pressure on it, he, but I'm going, I'm not, I wasn't stressed before I started talking to Karen. <laughs> right? now, I know. Now, now, oh my God. Well, I mean, I, I, listen, Derek, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm having anxiety for you right yeah. now. Why are you not stressed? <laughs> like, but, no, you like, know, but yeah. you're excited about it because you, this project isn't different. And, and yes, listener, uh, we will have a proper interview with Derek coming up to talk really about the project and all the things. But I mean, I think it's interesting that this is your most vulnerable project. This is, you know, your biggest risks that you've taken musically and you've poured so much into it that you're actually not nervous today. I would be, I'd be in a ball in the corner right now. <laughs> you know what? I think because when I made the album, this album is, it's, it's not about, it's not just about the money. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's not just about the album sales, but it's really for people. Like, you got to think, I've been touring this thing. Like, I've connected with people in a way that is bigger than any any stream or whatever. It's the people that this is going to impact is literally, they know where it's at. They're going to get it when they need it. And that's what it's for. So I'm just thankful, really, to just put it out and just see how people can connect with the story when it's your story yeah you know 
you worry about how people are going to to understand it and how you know what they interpret it correctly but at the end of the day it's my story it's where I've been so there's no reason for me to necessarily be afraid because no one can tell me that my story was wrong you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah <laughs> no one can say I was wrong about you know hey this didn't happen to you like you know what I mean like so I'm not really trying. oh they'll try Jarek don't you wait yeah they'll try don't you worry they'll try, they'll try. but they're idiots they're idiots so like I'm not even gonna trip yeah, off that, like, that, that's the thing yeah you, I you love know, it you know you're you know the ultimate authenticity of it man so yeah, yeah dude yeah. well congrats man it's it's a, it's a massive massive achievement man and i'm stoked for people to hear it i think one of the hardest things derek about releasing projects or for me books into the world is that like you know that for for book projects for sure i know the date forever like i have a book coming out february 13th 2024 mm-hmm. i've known that date for eight months now okay so that's the date and you know it and you talk about it you talk about it you talk about it and then you wake up on february 13th 2024 and guess what like you still have to take kids to school Mm -hmm. you still have to like be with your family you still have to do all the things you still got emails to do so i always find that release days are kind of this like weird thing because you're so very excited and yet you actually still do your regular life that day it's just kind of it was weird to me the first time i ever released something into the world yeah. with a date like oh my gosh this date is so exciting and then it came and then it went and then you still keep working it was, just, it was very weird to me yeah kids gotta go to football practice they gotta go to football games you know what yep. I mean you still gotta mm-hmm. make dinner <laughs> it is what it is it is yeah. what it is but do well. you sit there and like refresh the, the charts and stuff all day like just to see like or do you like, I, used, I, I used to for sure like I used to be glued to them things and I'm sure I'll look at them because that's the fun part right you want to see how far it's going um but I try to like not look I try to be like okay I'm gonna look once a day once maybe twice a day in the morning Mm -hmm. at night and then then that's gonna be that because if you look at it throughout the day man you're gonna be a wreck like. Yeah, dude, that that is real. T- I remember back in the day, you know, helping out with 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 a lot of web content, and I had like an analytics app on my phone where I could see real time analytics of how many people were looking at wow. stuff. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, "I'm kind of curious. Let's see." And then it became like an unhealthy thing where I was always yeah. fixated on how many people. Like, it's. I think to your point, Derek. At some point, you know, there's there's a limit to what's what's healthy in terms of kind of just understanding. You know, because you know what's what's the serenity prayer. You know, God uh, grant me yeah. the, um, you know, the 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 wisdom yep. to control things I can control, uh, the, to not be worried about the things I can't, and to know the difference right. in bet- between the two. Something yeah. I'm something like that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Camera, you crazy. Love it. <laughs> Close enough. I circled it. You got it. It is. I know. We know what you meant. But you know, none that, of us could say it. What I, what I found too. What I found too, though, like I think. We could look at albums that put so much pressure on the first week of an album or a book sale. But mm-hmm. man, albums can come in people's lives at any point in time. So for me, yeah. it's just knowing I got the rest of my life to tell people about this work. It's going to be relevant for the rest of our lives. I think that's another reason why I'm not really stressed on this album because mm-hmm. it's not about, it wasn't about making trendy music or it wasn't about trying to fit into what's happening right now so I can you know, make as much, you know, sell as many albums right now. I feel like you could play this album five years from now and it's still going to be relevant and it's still going to connect with people. Mm. So I think that's another reason why I'm not stressing. I got my whole life to tell people about this. 
Great. I saw, That's awesome, man. I saw on Instagram last night, I don't know how, the, like a rapper was touring in Europe opening for Lip Biscuit. And so I get a lot of music posts in my feed and, and I was like, Limp Biscuits touring Europe. And I swiped to look at the clips the dude posted. Limp Biscuit was playing 1999, you know, metal rap songs for 50,000 people in Berlin yeah. last week. And yeah. they were no, they knew every word and they were going nuts. I'm going, I can't believe people are still listening to this music, you know, 20 something years later, but it was important to them. Anyway, I'm just saying that about your album. Dude, people will be listening to this album in 20 years. That's it's so the thing. good. When you make something that connects I'm not comparing people, you to Limp Biscuit. just FYI. No, I was no. like, hey, hold up, bro. No, no, <laughs> but, 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 but I think the point is like, even if it's like, despite like, you know, the kind of artistic merits, obviously, like to Cameron's point, we you, we certainly put you in a different category. <laughs> <laughs> but like, when you, when you, when you make when you make art that resonates with people for one reason or another, maybe it's for nostalgic reasons, maybe it's for like artistic reasons, maybe it's for emotional or spiritual ones, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it always, it's, it'll always be meaningful. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's the thing about uh, art that, you know, has some degree of authenticity and not to go on some kind of rant here, but like, especially in, in, in an era where there's so much disposable content mm-hmm. stuff that either is designed to disappear within 24 hours, like a, right. like a real or a story or, or Snapchat mm-hmm. or, you know, stuff that just like drips through a feed or is on your Netflix screen for like a week. And then you kind of forget about it forever. Like making something that resonates, you know, I, I do think that's a really good perspective to have is like, dude, it's not just about how many people listen week one or month one. It's dude, this could be, you know, with people for a long time, you know, yeah. and 20 years from now, Derek, you know, if everything goes well, you could be opening for Limp Biscuit in <laughs> Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you. Like I said, coming up later, we're going to get into this album with Derek. Uh, we also have your feedback at the end of the show, but stay tuned. Coming up next, Emily joins us for Relevant Buzz. You're listening to Jay Wood. The song is Dirk Gently. Know yourself. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show uh, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown, uh, who is joining us from Chicago today to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. Hey, Emily. Hey, y'all. How's, Hi, the, Emily. how's the windy city? Very windy. Mm. Um, I can be outside and not mm. want to like sweat or cry. This is, this is like a new experience for me. So I'm trying to embrace oh, it. Wow. <laughs> Nashville's been sweaty. Have you seen the bean yet? I have not seen the bean. We have to go. 
But can, can I be honest? I'm not missing much. And picture a big oh, I love it. Metal have you been? But, have you been to a carnival where they have the curvy mirrors and the fun mystery funhouse? <laughs> yeah. Have you? Okay, that's what it is. It's outside. Hey man, y'all gonna quit hating on the little Chicago <laughs> bean now, bro. I that's love it. Here, no, here, I'm gonna. This is just listen. I. It's not like I'm some travel expert, okay? But like, the public art. Is fine, okay? But, like, the, if I see a picture, there's nothing functionally different than me seeing it in person. I've never seen, like, you know, you see that bull on Wall Street or, 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 or whatever, you know, like. So you mean you, the Grand Canyon, if you saw the Grand Canyon in person versus well, the picture, I, I, I'm it not saying matter. natural. I'm saying, I'm saying works of public art. It's like, yep, look okay. exactly like the picture that I saw. <laughs> Why not go and spend your time, if you're in one of these cities, like, eating something or, 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 or like, you know, experiencing something. Like I said. So, so you saying the pyramids. You can do if both. you go see the pyramids, it's I think better I, to just look at it on a picture. I'm not saying it's better, it I, but I'm saying I think I would be like, all right, I, this they're exactly like what I thought they it's would look like. It's a big triangle. That's I, crazy. I saw pictures on my phone. <laughs> All the way Emily, here. if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you'll see someone get engaged. Oh, that, I, that always happens that? at places like that. Last time I was there, last time I was there, a man got down on one knee, asked a woman to be his bride forever, and I did take photos. Listen, and I have them in my phone. Yes? I don't I didn't know them. Know the bean she was did like say a yes. Romantic okay, spots. Okay. It's not, just a spot. It's, it's not just, romantic. It's a whole bunch of tourists standing there and taking <laughs> selfies, going, "Okay, there's a big curvy mirror. What's what's what for lunch?" Like, I mean, that's y'all, all some, y'all some haters, it, bro. No, you no, don't like superhero person. movies. You don't like beans made out of <laughs> no, mirrors. No, Derek, Derek, maybe you're missing you're missing the point here. I have nothing against the bean. I'm just saying time is better. Like the first time I went to New York City, I remember it was Christmas time, and I elbowed my way to the front of the railing of, on Rockefeller Center to see people ice skating, and I'm like, oh. This is exactly what it looked like in my mind uh, when I saw Home Alone when I was a kid, when I've seen numerous <laughs> films that this is featured in. My time would have been better spent experiencing uh, other things. Emily, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm ruined. I'm, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capitulate because you know what? New York has a bunch of things that when you're a kid, you like, man, I can't wait to go see these things. And then you go see them like Times Square. I was like, this is it? Like, this is it? <laughs> So, I no, think everything I deserves one time. Yes. Like, you know, like, Dang. go see the ice skating and then you don't ever have to go back again. Go see the bean. You don't have to ever have to go back again. Emily, what are you looking forward to seeing when you're in Chicago? Um, That's a really good question. So I'm actually here because I helped my friend move. Um, So we have been focusing on that mostly. So I actually haven't seen anything. She's staying. She's staying in Wicker Park, which is a great part of town. Good, good oh, yeah. food, yeah. good coffee. And You're in a good area. I would go in the Loop, just kind of walk the Loop. It's incredibly clean downtown. Good food down there. You can see the Bean. The you Wilco can see the building. waterfront, yeah. the Navy Pier, that kind of junk. Go walk Miracle Mile with all the shopping. That's a good afternoon. Mm. You know, just do that. But you hanging out in Wicker Park is actually a good a good area to be to like spending yeah, I've time. I've gotten in, to you know, know a so. lot of good coffee shops the last few days. Um, Ooh, you go to intelligence. Okay. I told Wait, her that yesterday. I told her to go to intelligence. There is one in Wicker park, but I looked it up. It's permanently closed. Oh. Wow. Well, From there's one in the loop. Yeah. If you go down to the loop, you, you can hit up into that. Intelligentsia. Can I be honest? Another thing about intelligentsia. <laughs> what? I'm kind of a Duncan guy. Oh. And <laughs> 
Stop, stop right now. I felt it was very judgy. I felt like I felt like I walked into an episode of Portlandia and I was like, this is ridiculous. No, we're thankful for your Where's the nearest Duncan? We're thankful to your contributions. Give me, I, I want a culotta, you please. You and Ben Affleck. <laughs> you go into intelligentsia and ask for a culotta. Can I get a, can I get a, can I get a mocha cinnamon uh, birthday cake culotta? <laughs> birthday cake. Is that just pure sugar with like the tiniest bit of coffee? Probably. Don't know. Uh, never ask. That's the thing. When you go into Dunkin', you don't ask about the ingredients. It's not intelligentsia where they di- where it's sourced <laughs> from. The thing I, is, I, I don't care. I think I would I ask about the end product. Dunkin' more than I would another The problem with shop. Dunkin' is like, I, I, we, Cohen and I will swing by a drive through Dunkin' on the way to church half the time. And uh, and the problem with Dunkin' is like, I'll get like a cold brew or an iced coffee or whatever. Yeah. And I'll just, and they would like, and I'll just like a little cream and some Splenda or whatever, just to take yeah. the bitterness off. And they hand me what looks like a large cup of milk. They always put so much cream in it like is that your experience or do you like that because people don't that go to Dunkin are not drinking it necessarily for the coffee they're drinking it for the milk the sugar the culotta experience they're drinking it for the for the combinations there right it's 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 and and for the donuts like Dunkin got some fire donuts my kids love the coffee at Dunkin so there's that I know that's just what I'm saying it's it's the milk and the sugar the milk and the sugar right yes uh huh there you go all right, so what's happening this week, uh, Emily? <laughs> uh, well, Dunkin' Donuts. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> Still doing great. Still doing fantastic. There's a reason their business model yeah, works. Yeah. You don't see Dunkin's closed up in Wicker Park, do you? I actually don't. They're How come? The yeah. from where the intelligentsia was. <laughs> and still kicking. They're survivors. Dunkin' is the cockroach of this country. It, it, it is unkillable. They're, it it is unkillable. Nothing. Whoa. You can put you can put the nicest coffee shop across the street. Nothing's going to kill a Dunkin'. Nothing. Have you noticed, though, they rebranded just Dunkin', right, obviously, because they're trying yeah. to get off the donuts. Mm-hmm. But they still, on like the side of the building or in their signage, they still have DD as their logo. They say Dunkin' on the That's sign, and open. then they go DD. Yeah. And I'm like, Listen, you're overthinking you're, Commit. No, no, you're like, overthinking. Dunkin' is a place about underthinking, okay? <laughs> no overthinking here. <laughs> I'm just You've like, arrived at a Duncan. Uh, if you're gonna rebrand, go rebrand it. fully, and don't use DD, you know, right. on your wall art. They do that's a lot of I'm things halfways. Okay, make, make <laughs> like they, they got the main sign swapped out, and that was enough. They were like, "That's good we're enough. Good. Uh, we're du- people are coming. It's we're Duncan. We're unkillable." Anyway, sorry, Emily. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, the first actual have? thing I want to talk about uh, is there's a recent rise in prosperity gospel beliefs. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the financial situation in America, so obviously people are praying for their financials to change. Mm-hmm. But a new survey from Lifeway Research found that 52% of American churchgoers believe God will bless them if they give money to their church. And specifically among people ages 18 to 34, 81% believe that God genuinely wants them to have amazing finances, like not just stable, Mm. but more than they need. Um, And so Mm. it's just, it's been a message that has been rising in recent years. Um, Like I said, 52% believe that now back in 2017, only five years ago, only 38% believe that. So it's, that is a big jump. It's grown a lot. Um, And a lot of people when surveyed, when they were asked, you know, where did you hear this message? Why did you start believing it? A lot of them affirm that they're hearing this from their churches and from their pastors who are preaching huh. it. 
What's interesting is I grew up, Jesse grew up in like the Pentecostal charismatic world. Prosperity gospel is just kind of in the woven into all of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, faith, you believe God for, you know, all the things. But um, it's interesting that this is from Lifeway research because Baptists typically have completely rejected the prosperity gospel thing. And so it's interesting that this is coming from Lifeway. And, And there's such a big jump during COVID, during the pandemic, you know? It seems like part of it was people because they're they're wanting their finances to change they're they're really trying to just yeah. believe that this is true so that their their situation will be different yeah. wow yeah I, I i am curious about what the correlative like connections are you know like i i know maybe maybe it is that that you know in in this comes from a time of deep uncertainty about a lot of things including just the economy that that people think you know if they're if they're insecure about something and they relate you know god to a feeling of some degree of security or comfort that they would you know, assume that he wants you to have the thing that would provide that for you in a time of uncertainty. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it. Like a, like a Duncan manager who changed two signs instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I know for me, I grew up Pentecostal and I grew up around a lot of people that struggled financially uh, and Cannon just walked in my podcast. Hey, how are you? What's <laughs> 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 you know, I'm, it's actually going. The podcast actually on right now. <laughs> <laughs> <What's> up, <Cannon? laughs> yeah. But uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's just a little celebrity <laughs> drop in, you know. <laughs> Another day in the life of Derek Miner, you know. All right, but uh, anyhow, <laughs> back to what I was saying. That I. I it's crazy that I think this is as predictable because I know prosperity gospel was huge when we were growing up, but it's because a lot of people just were hurting and they needed relief. So mm-hmm. I could definitely see with inflation being crazy. I mean, price of food and, and we're not even talking about inflation and stuff that you don't need. We're talking about stuff that you actually need to survive. Right. I could see why people would, would lean more into that. And I think that there is some, I mean, there is truth to that. God wants to see us be taken care of. Like, that's why Jesus talks about the flowers of the field and his eyes on the sparrow. And they don't worry about what they're going to eat and how the flowers of the field are dressed pretty, prettier than any creation. So I think there's a nuance there. But I mean, yeah, this is pretty predictable to me. I would think I would like my question that I would love to hear is I wonder if there's any kind of political allegiance here with um, this switch uh, because there's a lot of conversations in the political sphere about the economy and you know um, former President Trump's whole thing about make America great again like this idea that like we used to be this and now we're not and I wonder if people are feeling this financial strain and associated with the political party if that makes sense I don't know if I'm just like like way out in left field which, here or which not. Which side is which, Jamie? Hit me to this because this is a new concept for me. So what, which side do people lean more for the prosperity and which side do they lean more for the, I mean, the, well, the other side? I feel like... Republicans ahead, are more money driven and Democrats well, are more socially uh, equality but, driven. But you to, know, so to Jamie's say, point... Wait a minute. But, time out, time out. So you said that the Republicans are often the ones that are 
big proponents well, of the prosperity gospel? I don't think that at all, but there's a big switch. Like I can't, I, I don't think we can get away from how big this gap is from just mm-hmm. five years ago, right? Okay. What were the numbers? And so to me, it feels like that there, the big switch would be Again, I could be in left field. The big switch could be more Republicans saying, hey, God wants us to be wealthy. God mm. wants us to be this. And what's happening in our country is not allowing that to happen. That could be left field. I don't know. Well, it just, I, I, was, just growing up in it, to be honest with you, the 90s, the moral majority, uh, you know, the, the Republican Christian uh, conservative movement was tightly aligned with the charismatic prosperity gospel world, televangelist world more financially driven give to get you know this like is a crazy yeah. layer for me because yeah. growing up in a black church right like it, it it's crazy just seeing the overlap there like yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. most of the yeah. people that i grew up with i don't think they would be considered republicans no probably but not I would say a lot of them did watch a lot of those televangelists on TV so they would be fed those types of things, which this, I got to go. My brain has to decompress now. This is a lot right now. But Jamie, I think the point you brought up too is like maybe it's not even like the political alignment when it comes to like economic conditions, but even just like this greater idea of you're saying like make America great again, like the idea of like the manifest destiny, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like this philosophy that God has ordained America as special and favored as a shining city on a hill. And if you live there, then you should take Mm -hmm. part in that prosperity. If they're sort of like, like I said, that sort of manifest destiny trickle down yep. that kind of permeates theology too. I, again, I, it's speculative, but but I do think it's it's an interesting speculation. You know, I I I could see a lot of that just trickling down into that with this like we are God's country and we used to be a Christian nation. Now we need to take it back, and that would all lean into that like God wants for us. God wants for us. And the truth God, of the matter God is, God bless America. God bless yeah, my finances. Exactly. God wants to bless, prosper, have abundance. Yeah, it's definitely the same line of thinking as what's interesting to me is y'all are just seeing this shift with Trump. This has been the narrative in that weird political Christian kind of overlappy world since the 80s. I mean, it really has. Totally, but I think Trump took it to a new level when he's like, we got to go back to where we were. He did. Like that, yeah. And I'm saying this as a kid who had a front row seat because my dad published Charisma Magazine, which was the magazine of the prosperity gospel Mm -hmm. faith movement, you know, and all that. So like I, this was my world growing up and and the the political stuff started to really overlay in the 90s, you know, so like the political stuff. My brain is exploding right now. I mean, funny thing is jokes on us because the majority of Christians around the world like their idea of blessing and prosperity and our prosperity and blessing is completely different and I would say that theirs lines up more with the gospel of like our prosperity is like that we have hope and that we have love and that we have kindness and we have peace and I'll be honest with you. I felt like an outsider on the inside with how I grew up. I felt like an outsider on the inside at ORU back then because it was the president of the university at the time was a televangelist. And, you know, I I remember specifically we had a revival revival service at at college and a televangelist came and spoke. I'm not going to say his name. And he... He spoke the entire sermon. Again, this is a revival evening service. All the students had to go. And he spoke the entire sermon talking about how he believed God for a new plane and God gave him his new plane. I'm telling you, by the end of this sermon, people are running up and down the aisles. They are worked up into a frenzy. Mm. Not one scripture 
Not one scripture was spoken during the entire service. And, and I thought to myself as a student watching this, like an outsider on the inside, I'm going, Lord, you know, like never let me forget what this looks like. And, and, and I want to, I want to share a gospel message that will preach in all four corners of this globe. And like I, like this sermon will not play in Africa. This sermon will not play in Asia. You know, like this sermon, this isn't the gospel, you know what I mean? Or in prisons in America. But here's the crazy thing is the charismatic movement, the spirit filled movement is the movement globally that it's exploding Latin America, Asia, and Africa. The global church is, is booming and it's all charismatic preaching or teaching and theology. And it's this line of thinking and the, the biggest and wealthiest churches and pastors in the world are actually African and the, the, you know, you go to Nigeria and stuff and they're preaching the prosperity gospel to people who are in the deepest poverty you can imagine and they're eating it up. And I just, so I don't understand that. I don't understand it. So from, I, from a person that, like I said, I grew up in the trenches, it's hope. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's easier. Like when you have a lot of money, like money is it's not valued like it's just like anything in the world if i had a lot of if i had a lot of eggs i wouldn't value eggs right but when you don't have anything and someone tells you that god wants you to have your needs supplied you're gonna buy it and the fact is it's really nuanced right because god does want our needs supplied but some of our needs are different than others. And sometimes when we get money, it's not because God is blessing us. It's because of our intuition. It's because of our business acumen. It's because of where we came from, because we have support from our family. There's a whole plethora of reasons that we have money besides the fact that God said, I'm going to give this guy a lot of money. Right. But when you're when you're in impoverished situations, like you're just like, man, I'm working, working my best and all I can do is just survive and scrape by. You're looking for a level of reprieve. And that's why it's blown my mind because I was like, was this a strategy as far as like growing these ministries, which was for rich white churches to go into impoverished black and brown communities and pray ding, on ding, their ding, des- ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Yeah, I'm like, pray on their desire to to be safe. And then they're saying, okay, well, if I just give my rent money to God, God's going to take care of me rather than going into these communities and actually teaching financial literacy and things like that. Because that's what, when you say outsider, insider, I was the same thing for me, but it wasn't like a, oh, why are these people buying this? It was like, Damn, man, why don't we just all just like work on saving our money? Like in my little small, small teenage young mind, I was thinking about that. And I was like, man, I feel like this guy is capping a little bit like he lying. Um, And it felt predatory for me growing up. It felt predatory. Um, So I think that's if that's the case, that's a lot of layers that need to be unpacked and. You know, I, I mean? you know but, at, I, but at the same time, we can't judge people that are broke for wanting to not yeah. be broke and thinking that God is going to <laughs> liberate them from because we know poverty creates some awful situations. Like I've seen people I've seen a person get beat up over a couple dollars and that's because of poverty. Right. You know, so at the same time, we got to be careful. Yeah. 
All right, what else do you have, Emily? Uh, yeah, um, I know we're talking about Derek's album later, so I thought it'd be appropriate to have some music news, although this is kind of interesting. Uh, Gen Z has been listening to some sad songs lately, um, like a lot. So Spotify released a report that searches for the term sad skyrocketed this summer among Gen Z users, and it's the most searched term globally. Uh, for comparison, it's the 13th most searched term for millennial users. So Gen Z, they are wanting to listen to sad music and they're looking it up um, just to just play some sad tunes. I, During the summer, they're calling it the summer of sadness yeah. right now. I, are you I, kidding? I, no, they really are. I, and that, that, it, that, it's interesting, you know, this too. There's probably a lot to uh, unpack for like some social scientists too because there's probably anecdotal reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when one song breaks out, other, other songs like that also kind of find legs. But I also wonder, like, you guys ever heard of the therapy term, like, pain shopping? Like, people Mm who, you know, are experiencing different levels of kind of anxiety or or depression often look for things that make them feel, you know, like, ultimately more validated in their Mm -hmm. feelings, but, you know, will seek out things that make them almost more depressed and more sad. Um you know, like people who've, who've experienced trauma often go like pain shopping. I wonder if there's some sort of collective, some sort of collective response to just how like vitriolic culture has become and how angry things have become. Like if it's just, you know, people looking for a way to deal with you know what it's like living in a culture that is angry a lot you know I, I, emily and i were talking about this yesterday and I, I i my kids gen z obviously and so like i'm observing a lot of dynamics with him and his friends and stuff and so something that strikes me about this and that it's uniquely gen z it's not just it's not millennials it's number 13 for millennials it's it's the younger is that this is the generation that grew up with a screen in their face at all times right and this is the generation that has socially isolated, right? Whereas go back 20 years, we would go to the mall to hang out with our friends. Now I'd rather just hang out in my room and chat with my friends on my phone. And so like you're isolating and isolation begets honestly, you know, like feeling lonely and that's depression and, and, and you cocoon yourself and think about when you're depressed, you don't want to get out of bed, right? You want, you want to stay in bed all day and you think that the rest will help you, but like, then you lose your job and then you get more depressed and then you, or you don't see friends that day and you get more depressed and like it feeds it like what you're saying, Jesse, and this generation uniquely grew up with this social dynamic of mm-hmm. isolation, whereas at least millennials kind of straddled the transition and obviously older than that, you know, like grew up with friends around. I think it's, I think it's largely this. And we talk about the suicide epidemic in Gen Z and the depression mm-hmm. epidemic, anxiety epidemic. Of course they're listening to sad music more than any well, other genre. But, I mean, it's, but beyond, beyond even the technical things, a lot of them missed two formative years of right. social yeah. development. You right. know what I mean? Like right. they, they were out of, like for a lot of people, you know, high school, junior high, two, missing two years of that, that's mm-hmm. a yeah. major, like I said, yeah. kind of blow just to, yeah. like I said, kind of developing our social skills and our identity in social circles. You know, I think that's also probably a major factor. In addition to, I, I'm not dismissing the, the screen thing. I think they kind of feed each other, but I don't mm-hmm. think we can discount no other generation had to experience being just missing mm-hmm. two two years of of that of of a critical critical time just gone. Yeah, you know? I do think it's crazy because it doesn't feel like we've missed that either. But you're right because I I wasn't going to prom or 
graduating during those times. But for them, that was a huge thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, I sorry. Emily. I was gonna say, well, to Jesse's point earlier about the idea of pain shopping, that is what a lot of psychologists have discovered is that um, there is listening to sad music. It does, like you said, validate your emotions and in a way can make you feel less alone because you're not the only one experiencing those sad emotions. But there's also a balance to it where if all you listen to is sad music about being alone and having no friends and never being happy, that's the only message you're hearing. And so you just kind of stay in that cycle. And so there is like some warning about, you know, it's okay if you want to listen to sad music every now and then, but put on, put on some happy music. It, it, might, it might do some good for you. There's, a, there's with everything, you know, there's like a balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, what i do think you're right though that there there are a lot of specifically just sad challenges that gen z has been facing over the last few years so yeah it's not surprising that they're looking for sad what is interesting is spotify is making sad playlists um they're feeding the beast beast. listen to this this is nuts listen to this this is crazy made um playlists you know like if you search if you search sad you know a bunch of different plays will come up so there's a sad crying mix, sad love song mix, sad rap mix, um, bummer summer. Like there's just bummer, bummer summer. summer. I mean, like dozens of playlists. Bum, bummer summer is wild. Yeah, dozens of playlists <laughs> that wild. just are the saddest songs you can possibly imagine, all in one playlist for you to play. So if you want to just be alone and cry, Spotify's got, got you covered. For you. But, but, but but the the other thing too is it might just be a Spotify thing <laughs> because like I remember like back in the early aughts, you know, I was in college, but I read a book. It was by um, it was when we I was heavily involved in a lot of music journalism. And Andy Greenwald, the writer, he was Span and Rolling Stone. He wrote a book called Nothing Feels Good, and it was an anthology of e- the emo scene mm. that had kind of led up to. Part of it is teenagers just like sad music. Like, right, I mean, right, literally, right. that was the title of the book, and it was, and it was basically about the rise of of like post punk emo. That was about sad. You know, anyone who kind of grew up listening to that genre of music knows. It, it emo it is short for emotion <laughs> and often sad emotion. It was meant right. for like, this is emotional indie rock. Part of it, I think is just being a teenager. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like, I, I don't know if it's necessarily That's true. A, a, I'm thinking about that. Like, when I was like, you know, middle, right. like middle school, early high school, that was my peak. Tell on yeah. yourself. That was my peak uh, emo self. Um, I did have people that called me emo Lee. Which was a fun little nickname. Um, Emily. Yeah, but that was also. That was was pretty good. I want to give you a hug right now. That was wrong. (laughs) You know, we live and we learn. It made me a better person. Um, But please don't call me that now. but it was like you are you are wearing dark wearing dark black, black shirt black dark shorts glasses <laughs> black hair black shorts she's coming and back you okay emily are you having a bummer summer Chicago is changing me y'all leave my emily alone thank you Derek. go ahead emily finish finish well, I was just gonna say, like during that time that was also my parents can confirm my most emotional angsty time of my life and so of course i was listening to like emo angsty music music because it validated me and then I learned how to process those emotions and I went back to listening to bubblegum pop, which is what I listen to all the time now because wait a second. <laughs> so you went from emo to bubblegum. Well, I'd pop? always been a pop girl. Mm-hmm. I've always been one. And then I went to emo music, still listening to like the Jonas brothers on the occasion, but also emo music. And then I just went back to pop. <laughs> all right. So y'all help me out. 
Who's the biggest emo artist that I would know? Dashboard Confessional or yeah, Dashboard Respect. I love like Dashboard. Jimmy World was yeah. big. Taking Back Sunday saves the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I you know, Jesse's Dash- just reading his his most yeah. listened to right now. He's say, reading his Jesse's got some emo playlists. All, I knew Dashboard listen, and Jimmy East World. I knew both. Yeah, of them. yeah all, all all you know held very special places in my heart at one time. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah. when they come through town, if any of those artists come through town, I'll still like. Oh, I kind of want to Jesse Limbisca still touring. I used to go to concerts all the time because those emo bands are like ten dollars for a ticket say anything like oh, i remember so seeing good. say anything at uh, the social in downtown orlando twice and like ah oh, it was like i said there was there was a, a and 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 particularly that that whole like genre was known for its like live experience mm-hmm. i think partly because there was a collective catharsis of everyone singing sad songs together like to your point about dashboard confessional the most one of the most famous sort of contemporary un- MTV Unplugged session was Chris Caraba mainly because everyone sung along to every song because they were expressing emotion along with it. It wasn't like the old Nirvana one or some of the classic where it's like an artist performing. It was a collective experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Bummer summer. All right. What else do you have? Um, I want to end on a happy note. Um, so yeah. good. So <laughs> Jamie's over here, just like she just put a weighted blanket on. She's just good news. Not the weighted this just blanket. in from Wall Street. Duncan never doing better. Never done better. The stock is up, up, up. Um, unfortunately, I do not have news about Dunkin' Donuts. Um, maybe one of these days I will, but I wouldn't hold your breath. I do finally have news about. The long-awaited Good Burger 2, um, which has been years, maybe even decades, in the making. But the teaser trailer is finally here, and we're going to play the clip right now. Oh, hey, Dex! <laughs> hey, man. You almost car-burgered me to death. The new adventures of Ed and Dex starts now! <laughs> Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can we take your order? Water? I think so. Oh yeah, that's water. None for me, thanks. Awesome. So as we can see, you know, it's been 26 years since the first film came out. And not much has changed for the characters, Dexter and Ed. Although truthfully, I don't think I would believe the film if they tried to tell me that like Ken Mitchell's character was like a scientist or something, you know, like I expect him to be kind of the same character personally. I I think it's funny that these two guys started out together and went to very different directions in life. Uh, Keenan becoming the longest running (laughs) cast member on SNL movie star and Kel becoming a youth pastor. So uh, they come back together for good burger. Yep, for Good Burger too. I hope Keenan never leaves SNL. The other thing too, you know what they're saying? No, Kel's, Kel's killing it on Nickelodeon too. Oh, he's that's had, right. He's, he's had some crazy shows. Like I think it was Game Breakers. My kids used to love that show. Yeah, but, but, it, but yeah. there's talk that Keenan will replace Lauren Michaels when he retires in a few years. It, oh. Wow. But have you guys also know that? Show. 
Keenan is one of those celebrities that has stopped aging. Like they hit an age and just stopped. <laughs> I think I said sure. this before. It happened at Steve Martin at like the age of twenty. Like he be, he was a fifty five year old man at age twenty and just stuck mm-hmm. there, right? And he's still yeah. there. Yeah, Keenan, right. Keenan hit about thirty five. I don't know how old he is, but he's looked thirty five for the better part of ten years. And and and, and I don't see him, yeah. I don't see that that moving. He's just one of those celebrities that is just always going to be stuck at at the same age. I mean, I guess it's a good problem. Good him, yeah. Black don't yeah. crack unless you drop it. That's- <laughs> Wait, what do you mean unless you drop it? That means if you fall off, you drop it, it'll crack. Oh. But if you stay up on your, you stay on top of it. Black okay, don't let me don't that down. Well. That's where it's the wisdom. Well. Black don't crack unless you drop it. All right. That'll do it for Relevant Buzz. Thanks, Emily. Uh, make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com for more content like that. We're publishing it every day, covering the intersection of faith, culture, and everything in between. All right, stay tuned. Up next, we talk to Derek about his new album. You don't want to miss it. You're going to hear some of it, too. Yeah. You're the only one who's righteous. Put my life inside your hands. I know that be the rapist. Can't believe I spent so many years trying to fight this. I was in the dark, but now I'm living where the light is. When I sight this, that's the only weapon I need when I'm in a crisis. Feel his presence flowing through my body as I write this. He said, Test the fruit, and that'll show you where the life is. And I know I you're listening to Forrest Frank and Lecrae. The song is Nothing But the Blood. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Okay, the moment is here. Today, our friend Derek Miner releases the highly anticipated album, Nobody's Perfect. And yes, normally Emily does the interviews, but today I wanted to talk to Derek about this project because it's impacted me, it's impacted friends of mine, and I know it's going to impact you. We're going to talk a little bit about the album, his heart behind it. You're going to hear a couple of tracks, but there's no better way to kick off this conversation than you hearing the very first track of this album, the intro. It's called Hallelujah. Here's part of it. I gave God all my pain, but forgot to give him praise. People thought that I was dead. They threw dirt upon my name. I've been deaf to every lane. I don't hear him anyway. Wrote my verses all in braille. They feel everything I say. Threw myself into the music, but you know that come with hurdles. All that green made me toxic. I might turn a ninja turtle. God put me through the fire like a bat. Would the devil try to smoke my family tree? You ain't getting me when my dad OD swore it took a part of me. I found out about your past. You do drugs as therapy. I was raised by another. He was trying to find peace. Hated how he seen himself. So he took it out on me. Man, that father wound is deep. I'm still talking about this. Uh, switch positions with you both. Trying not to wound my kids. Got addictions of my own. I won't get too specific, but I finally understand now. God, I need your hand now at the hospital so much. Doctors knew us by face. Lord done healed us so many times. Now they know us by faith. Got my brother out the hood. We'll never be the same. All the nights that we cried about things we could. 
hands Man, at least that's what I thought I don't know what to think You can resurrect your son And resurrect your love in me Maybe I'm the one that's wrong Matter of fact, you probably right I hurt people, they hurt people That's the cycle of our life You said pray for your enemies But do they pray for me? When you building something great They don't give you bricks for free Trying to turn all these losses in the list I've been asking for the blessings I don't know if you got the message I, I, I tried to change the world I had to change me I know life, it ain't perfect It's amazing Tell me what is love if it's pain Life if it ain't changing And God, I know it's worth the sense I'm breathing, I'ma thank you Uh, yesterday on Thursday, Derek released a visual commentary kind of a companion to the album. It's on YouTube and you need to go watch it. I watched it a couple days ago and it, it he shares his heart and his story and sets up every song. It is, I've never seen anything like it. I'm just telling y'all, like go watch it. I've never seen an artist do this because there was such a clear narrative behind every song, but the visuals are wild. Like, mm. like he shot like little micro music videos and he shot like AI did some stuff and everything, every song experience is different and you need to go watch this on YouTube. I've, and he interjects like kind of like famous clips of, or, or clips of like famous uh, hip hop artists and, and culture shapers talking about mental health and different things like that. And it's just, it's a powerful experience, man. What, I want to start there. Like what gave you the idea to do that? Like to, to introduce the project that way. So during March and April, I went on tour with the album and it started off. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Just, I think, you know, I want to say something told me, but I'm just going to say, God, told me you know what i'm saying like go out and play the album for people and talk with them about the concepts and over time a recurring theme kept coming up people kept saying is this going to is this experience going to be online can i because i want to they're like i don't want to just show people the album i want to show people what i've learned here with you talking so when i got back and i finally finished the record i was thinking like how in the world could i do this and that's where the uh, visual commentary came from. It's like, well, people love visuals and people say long form is dead, but I don't believe that. We watch Netflix and we watch TV shows and movies all the time. So I'm like, let me make something that would allow people to easily access what was in my mind when I was making these records. What is so unique, and I think why that connected so well with people is because this album has a depth and a message that honestly, a lot of music doesn't in general, but especially hip hop, it gets vulnerable, it gets raw, it gets real in a way yeah. that about topics and themes that you just don't hear a lot. So the fact that you took it out there to tell people, hey, pay attention. Why don't you tell the listeners kind of like your heart and your message and why you took the album this direction? Man, so I, I haven't necessarily made an album that's been my own solo album for five years. Most of the stuff I've done has been music that's just for TV and film, and that's really for background music. Um, I think this is my first like art piece that I've made in like five years, and the reason why is because I was going through a really, really season of of just transition, is what I would say, transitioning from being a young young artist, a young man, to a father, to a trying to be a better husband. 
And I was overwhelmed And I felt I mean if I'm being honest I was in a Serious state of depression And a lot of mental challenges And it was Really The process of me saying I need to step away From doing music And art And just work on myself And as I began to work on myself Like every album that I've done Like The Trap was that way Redemption was that way Empire All those were birthed out of Things I've learned in certain seasons And I wanted to put them in the art So this is no different It's just What I've learned this time Is The focus is now on Me and my healing And the hope is As I've walked you through What kind of looked like For my healing That hopefully You will get something To grab from To when you feel discouraged So you can grab this album And say Nah my healing Is worth pursuing That's really the big picture I haven't heard a hip hop album Do this Like at all You know And it's really remarkable the intro of this album was a journey for you. You did a bunch of different <laughs> directions. It went a bunch of different directions on it. And where you ended up was so stinking powerful. Talk to me about the intro of the album. Yeah, so while I'm on this tour, um, I get an email. So I use this website called Tracklib to get samples because I'm, I'm a sample-based producer. That's what I enjoy. That's the kind of music I like making. So... I was flipping this sample and it was from this gospel choir in Motown, like a Motown, like Detroit gospel choir or whatever. And I get an email from Tracklib and they say, hey, we normally try to let people know that something's leaving the catalog, but this couldn't happen in this time. So, boom, there's no um, you can't use this song. So I emailed them back. I was like, this is literally the intro to my album. I'm wrapping this album up in the next month. Is it possible to reach out to the uh, the the publishers? No response. So I go on an internet search. I turn into to, to a detective, and I find out some people in Sweden bought the they bought the song, the or the catalog, and they were like, "Yo, we're pulling all our stuff off of here. We don't want anyone to use it." I actually got in touch with them and begged them. Like, yo, will you please clear this sample? What's the price? Let me know, right? They were like, there is no price. We have plans for this, and you can't use it. And that's our final words. So I'm like, all right. So as I'm walking in, I'm in New York, and I get this melody in my head. And I go into a bathroom in the venue, and I record a voice memo. And I send it to my partner, Quentin. And he sends me back this guitar riff. And the whole time while I was on tour, I would just listen to this guitar riff in my head and I would just be like, literally, I didn't write much down, but I was writing different things I was feeling in my head. And when I came home, I just recorded all of it and we built around a guitar and a voice memo. And that's how the intro came to be. I, I, I wanted to go through kind of like... I, I mean, I really, I normally when you, you know, there's a project, there's like two or three songs that really stand out about a, a, a stand out above all the others. B but as we were kind of like preparing for this segment, like I wanted to talk about every song because they're all, they're literally all legit, all good. But you do that on that, that commentary. So, yeah. so we're not going to do that on this segment. Everybody go watch this YouTube thing. Derek talks about literally every track. It is worth it because it, it opens up your eyes. You hear the songs differently. But one of my favorite songs is Vibrations. You released this as a single this spring. And yeah. uh, talk to me about that song. How'd that come together? Man, so as I was processing, like, why I was unhappy over the past five years, um, I was, 
I realized that most of the time it's because of the way I thought about things. You know, there's an easy way to look at something, right? So if if a deal didn't happen or if a, you know, I don't know anything. Let's say take, let's take a, a deal with music, right? If something didn't happen, I would instantly think, oh, man, well, this didn't happen because people don't like me. I'm not good at music or whatever. Like, regardless of Grammys and plaques and all of that, I would feel personally rejected like this. Now, I don't think that way. I think, well, this deal closing is just an is just getting it out of the way so that I can get to the better deal, right? And that's anything in life, right? Um, mm. It's trying to think positively about things and knowing that God doesn't have evil for us. He has good for us. He really wants us to do well. So my friend sends me this song, and it was actually for him. He was asking me what I think about an international show, who's doing the hook, and he actually produced it. And I, I was like, bro, will you please let me have this song for my album? And he took his verse off the song and let me have it for the album. And this is only one of what, two tracks that you didn't produce? Yeah, only, the only ones I didn't produce was uh, Vibrations and Weight. That's crazy. And I think it's funny, too, that you wanted to highlight one of the songs yeah. that you didn't make. That's interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, here, here's some Vibrations. This is great. Come get a about the process you talking about like where you were five years ago where you are today do you feel like releasing nobody's perfect or making nobody's perfect was like healing for you or did you write it from a out of your healing like you have gone through a journey you feel like you're in a different place now and then you're able to write with clarity or did you write yourself through it i'm curious about that yeah I, i think i've been trying to write myself through it for the past five years like there were times I would literally go to the studio and I would try to write something and it would all be sad and just mm. just depressing. And it was like I'm like I can't put this out. This is there's there's nothing in here that I think would add value, right? It's just me lamenting. But man, it, it really came and just being honest, a lot of it came from our trips to refuge. Mm. Like feeling seen and and having the opportunity to 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 have friends around you people that care about you and at when i came home and i started writing i started seeing more light enter into my art and i was like dang okay something's cooking here right 
And so I think it's a combination of both. It was, I think I was coming on the back end of that season. And that's kind of, honestly, from my very first real music as a quote unquote Christian artist, that's what I did in college. When When I took my walk serious with God in college, the first thing I did was write a song. So I think that's almost like been the the beginnings of albums is when I come out of a season to start writing about it. Talk to me about scars. One thing about processing trauma and, and your story is you have to deal with the actual things that happen. And I used to look at those things. I used to literally tell myself, you are broken. Like, bro, you are, it's, it's a wrap. And as I, begin to tell my story again with you know people and being more open I realized that those scars are they're like a superpower because one you learn and grow there's nothing that happens to you that you don't learn from but also at the same time man there's people that are going through the exact thing that you're that you went through and they're looking for somebody to tell them how to get past it they're looking for somebody to tell them to even keep trying to get past it and that's what I realized that my scars were. They were they were a testament to God's faithfulness to his people. And that's why I wrote that song. Here it is. God's Look in the mirror and I see broken pieces. It's not the glass that shattered. Who am I deceiving? I know I already let you down, but be patient with me. They don't show you how to wear the crown. They judge a slice of your life while trying to live pious. I'm doing fine for somebody that never had guidance. It's my baggage and I'ma carry all of it. But all I'm asking, maybe you would pray for me. Cause lately I ain't suffocating on these levels I'm on. The only problem boss enough is trying to manage it all. Feel like I'm on the edge of a building, on the edge of a cliff. On the edge of the earth that's flat, I'm about to fall off of that. Uh, devil on my shoulder telling me to do wrong. I guess the stakes is high for my daylight soul They'll try to hang me out to dry on the day I fold But God can clean dirty laundry, that's one thing I know, yeah Man, I, I, we could, we, I could play every track I, I could play every track, it's so good Everybody, you need to go get it Nobody's Perfect is out literally today Derek, man, I, I, I want to thank you for making this Like, when I, when I think about kind of the natural thing that happens when an artist releases an album, you know, boom, then they'll tour it and then it's in a video game and this, that, whatever. This, right. this feels like not just entertainment. This is art. This is important. It's important, man. And, and you putting yourself out there as, uh, it's powerful. And I know it's going to impact a lot of people. You know, yeah, thanks for taking that risk as an artist. You know what I mean? It's nah, going to make man. a difference. And thank you, bro. You were an instrumental part in my healing, man. Like for sure. Just being a, being an ear that's why uh, at the end of the doc I had to make sure I thank you know thank you know thank you and Prop and Jesse and yeah, all man. the people that saw me at a really really dark moment but saw the light that was there you know and helped me get through it so I appreciate it I mean the thing is is like everybody's journey is different we all have painful things that have happened to us or traumas you know that we feel like we're the only ones you know and so it's like when you come around in true community and talk about real things and let people actually know you and let people in. It's scary, you know, cause maybe they'll reject you because you know, your stuff was too much for them or whatever, but the opposite almost always happens. Mm-hmm. You know, now like we're bonded for life, you know for what I mean? Sure. And I, and that's why when I listen to this album, it's like, Oh no, yeah, he's not, he's not holding back. He's telling the truth right now, you know, cause I, <laughs> like you said, like I, I saw it and, and, uh, 
Man, it's gonna it's gonna reach so many people. I'm so excited. All right, everybody. Nobody's perfect is out now. Go 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 stream it. Buy the merch. If Derek's on tour, go see it. Support good art, important art. It's great stuff. That's All good. right. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. You're listening to Healy. The song is Amber. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, last week, we got talking about those uh, those big rides, you know, like when you're about to get dropped or flung oh, or for this. whatever, or you're at a park and there's a bit or a lake and there's a big blob and somebody jumps on it oh, and yeah. you're flying through the air and you have that moment of clarity. It feels like it's an hour long. It's a microsecond, but it's I immediately regret this decision. We <laughs> asked you. What are your, I immediately regret this moments that you've experienced. <gasps> you hit us up on X slash Twitter and also threads and Instagram stories. And here are a few of our favorites. All right, Greg Hackenberg. This is the best one right here. He says, I went down a steep hill on a homemade slip and slide tarp. And when I hit the bump and flew into the air, I knew it was a bad <gasps> idea to have my one-year-old daughter in my oh, arms. Oh, my gosh. Bro, I need a follow-up to that. I need a follow-up follow on what happened. You cannot just drop this I right know. here, Greg. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We're going to assume that Greg's daughter is fine, or else I don't think he'll be replying to us. Yeah, she got she got to be fine, but bro. Have you guys ever injured your kids? Wow. I've injured my kid. I've... I've I'm like my own negligence has injured my child, and you just yeah, you feel terrible. I yeah, have, for sure. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway. Well, <laughs> on that oh. note, um, <laughs> Kara said that she regrets keeping a turtle that her mom found for her daughter um, uh, <laughs> for one of their hometown's annual turtle races. By the way, how are things in Mayberry? Um, <laughs> how are um, the town turtle. You know who hasn't had a mishap at the old town turtle race, <laughs> the annual town That's turtle race. Crazy. Um, she said, "I made him a nice uh, uh, home in a sandbox, and he quickly escaped when I wasn't looking. Who knew turtles could climb? I do want to. Uh, I, I think there's one uh, adverb that I would change. Quickly yeah. escaped. I think you were probably gone for quite a bit of time. If there's one thing I know about turtles, even turtles that are racing turtles for the annual town uh, 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 race, they're probably not going anywhere very quickly. I think turtles you, are I, mean, dude. Like they're 
If you snapping s- turtles, snapping turtles will take your fingers off. But like, Kara, Kara act like she turned her head and the, and the turtle just ran away. <laughs> no. Split like she was with like Raphael and uh, Michelangelo over there. Kara, Kara, you know, ran some errands and came back and then uh, uh, realized that you know little little Michelangelo had made his escape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rachel said, "Anytime I go on a youth trip, mm-hmm. basically, she said, anytime I'm with teenagers." Well, the question is, is she a participant or a, a, a leader? Like, or, oh, yeah, true. She looks kind of young. Or so she yeah. a youth. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I always regret They're it. Always too. regrettable. Yeah. Always. Did you ever do lock-ins like oh, at your yeah. church? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. How did, who thought that was a good idea? Let's there, put there all was the always, teenage hormones exactly not, and lock the doors. Good, that was not a good people, idea. People would get injured at playing dodgeball and stuff and make girls cry. The always the there's the, the couple concerns. that went that off. ends up down in the Sunday school room, uh-huh. down there in the nursery hall. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. You don't know where they went for Making an hour. nursery babies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, we know where they went. We just weren't going to snitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we knew what was going on. There was a code for lock in. Yeah. <laughs> there's a code. <laughs> you don't yeah, break the code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't tell your parents what happened. You don't snitch on the couple that what happens here. Yeah, 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 we'll yeah. we'll not leave these walls. The the secrets are locked in as well. Yeah. I just like as a church, I just don't understand who thought that was a good activity for teens you know anyway all right uh there's more feedback where that came from uh you can go check out our mentions uh if you want to read it uh okay it's time for this week's editorial question of the week all right well at the beginning of the show we were talking well not the beginning of stern buzz we were talking to emily about the bean and it got jesse lamenting overrated you know national landmarks we want to know your thoughts. You've traveled. You've seen them. You've been there. What, in your mind, is the most overrated kind of destination or you know famous landmark that you've seen or experienced yourself? Hit us up on X at Relum Podcast and all the other socials as well, and we'll read our favorites on next week's show. Have you guys ever been to the White House? Because I've been, <laughs> I think, under four administrations. The yard looks terrible every time. I'm like... Uh. This is who's cutting the grass here. Who's responsible for the landscaping here? <laughs> Every time I'm, I'm, I am shocked. You know, and, and again, it's not. This is not a political thing because I've gone under, like I said, multiple both amid- administrations of various parties. You know, since I was a teenager, since I was a kid, I've been going to DC. I've lived pretty close. Every time I'm shocked at the, at the state of that lawn. That's you know? why we're waiting on the Green Party to finally get in. Mm, there <laughs> it is. There it is. All of it. They're gonna fix it all. First all right. business. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Derek for sitting down with us and talking music and uh, telling us all about his new project. Go get Nobody's Perfect. It's out now. It's been worth the wait. Go get it. Also, a uh, couple updates. If you want to stay in touch with everything we're publishing, make sure to head over to relevantmagazine.com every day. We're covering the intersection of faith, culture, and everything in between. Um, if you want to get just the best content, uh, get, cut all that riffraff out of there. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. It's on the homepage and on the sidebar of all the articles. Um, just put in your email address and you will get our top five trending articles sent to you every weekday morning. It's a great way to stay in touch because the social media algorithms kind of... Uh, 
hide things <laughs> a lot of times now. Also, if you like the music you hear on the show, go check out our Spotify playlist. We have a Heard on the Relevant Podcast playlist that we update every week or after every show, actually. And uh, we have a worship playlist and indie and hip hop playlist as well. Follow us on all the socials. We are uh, posting all the time on threads and X and Facebook and occasionally on Instagram. Well, Instagram stories are pretty consistent with uh, Instagram and TikTok sometimes as well. Uh, we're either Relevant Magazine or Relevant on all of the platforms. Go find us. And make sure to check out the summer issue of Relevant before it is gone. Uh, we have a great cover story with Lauren Daigle. We have Arizona. Arizona, Drew Holcomb, Naomi Rain, a bunch of other amazing conversations and think pieces. It's available for free. Just click the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Jamie Ivey. Go get Derek's new album right now, wherever you get your music. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on The Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. Every time I'm shocked at the the state of that lawn. Relevant Podcast Network.